0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of Reliability Boombox, proudly brought to you by Reliability Extranet Group of Companies. Welcome back, Seven. Always good to have you alongside. Thank you very much, sir. So last time we caught up, we started talking about the five habits of extraordinary reliability engineers. And we decided that we'd do a quick uh, little synopsis of the book and sort of chew the fat around each chapter. So last week, we did a, a little synopsis of the entire book, sort of what, what the five habits And this week, we're going to dive into habit two. So habit two is understand. So yes. let's give a little bit of background, a little bit of a refresher. Um, if you missed the first podcast, like we talked a little, a little bit about all the different you know, habits and why they're important. Um, why is understand so important? Your mind and where did that come from where did the concept of understand be so critical
1: oh where did it come from yes um so once we identified problems like people are generally to be fairly good at identifying problems and and the thing is that if you don't understand them they don't go away mm. okay because if you don't understand your problem you can't actually solve it or solve it effectively so where did this habit come from was that when i did my original brainstorm right my original brainstorm of over 100 problems my career as being a reliability engineer there was a whole heap of problems that i personally encountered that formed a group called that i didn't understand something mm-hmm. okay so we've made mm-hmm. we've made decisions to move forward on something that we didn't necessarily understand what was going on okay we may have used gut feel we may have used experience we may have used something we found on the internet (laughs) (laughs) there i say it and move forward with a decision and found out it was the wrong one for us yeah so we didn't understand the problem in relation to us now if you don't understand a problem how can you solve it now I've been on the receiving end of and it's one of the stories in the book um of a a fairly large problem that we thought we understood okay we didn't use any sort of problem-solving process but we thought we understood it and the problem kept on reoccurring Mm. okay to the point where we lost a whole facility <laughs> because right. all the broke for all the same reason <laughs> at the same time, which was great. <laughs> yeah, and guess 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 who we got, guess which little black duck happened to be working there at the time, and <laughs> and uh, yes. So for me, the value of understanding really, you know, I've suffered pain as a result of this mm. in my career. Companies certainly suffered pain that you I've. Know, that I've worked for by not understanding things and I've seen it and you know I've seen it in my in my role now you've seen it in your what you do with 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 us where people don't yep. actually understand the problem and they go and implement solutions and it doesn't work yeah it doesn't work and so they suffer the pain again
0: yes yeah
1: that's what this is all about and that's one of the habits one of the this is what ended up in the, in the book it's a core habit mm. that a reliability engineer has is understanding problems
0: yep hmm. yeah yeah i i can concur and agree wholeheartedly yeah. and you could nearly wrap it up there yeah we can we th- wrap
1: it up there <laughs> <laughs> that's it
0: but um, we won't short podcast it. it's yeah the sure. it's the <laughs> shortest one <laughs> Um, I, I think it is very very key and in, in other fields and other areas that I've, I've operated, worked in and pay attention to, like, like we've talked about before I also teach yoga it's a, very much a passion of mine and I always would say to students, you've got to understand why your body feels the way it does before exactly. you can rectify the problem, you know and i i believe it's the same in all industry all environments whether you're operating in you know maintenance side of things when you're operating in production whether it's operating in um you know factories or or machinery it doesn't necessarily matter i think if you're yeah. responsible for a reliability factor in a business you know and, and making sure that something is reliable and it turns up and it shows up and it operates and it works as it should yep. then understanding any particular problem is a really key point point. and i think you hit on the nail on the head when you said you've suffered experiences i know i've suffered experiences where we don't completely understand when we jump to a conclusion or we sort of go off what we think or as you and i have discussed in other podcasts there's been recent incidents as we've seen where well that's what we've done for 30 years that's what we always did to fix it
1: that's what we always did and, so what do you mean that's what we always do always did. that's what we always do and and that was what the thing that i suffered when when this particular event happened you know and it's one of these what i'm talking about is something that i'll probably never forget for the rest of my life like it was that big and it came back to what you just said. Oh, we've always done it this way.
0: Mm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think yeah. one one really interesting point that just came to my mind there is that sometimes as the reliability engineer or the maintenance manager or, or whatever your role is, as we discussed last week, that reliability might fall in it's not not every site has reliability engineers. You might be an asset manager, you might be a production manager that just has to look after that section. In some situations, we actually have to have the courage to stand up and go, well, it didn't work. Let's do something different. Yes. And you may get slandered, you may get shamed, you may get dragged across the coals because they think you're off with the fairies and you need a tinfoil hat. (laughs) However, standing your ground, and actually going well let's just think about it
1: yeah like- well, and and comes back to the name of the book too there day because the whole idea of this is you know as a, as a reliability engineer it's a core skill like mm-hmm. understanding stuff is a core skill it's a habit this is what we yep. do but i would challenge uh, others listening to this it's not just you mm-hmm. as
0: you've just alluded
1: to it's the people that you work with Right yep. And if there was a way to corporatize this, I'm gonna use that word. Okay, you corporatize the habit or or embed or mm. make sure it happens. Right Hopefully I'm going down the right path here. I don't want to disturb yep. where you were going. No. But no. You know, there's a, a few little tips and tricks in the book, but I'll 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 um I'll let you know one is have some rules around it now i don't want to stifle innovation or anything like that by putting rules in okay i don't mean mm. that what i mean is is put rules in to trigger this habit yeah trigger the change in behavior or the decision-making process or the thought patterns whatever you want to call it okay and and influence people's behaviour down a different path. Yeah. Okay? And that different path, okay, is let's use some tools, some helpful tools to help us understand this problem. Yes. And trigger the action to go that way, like have yep. some some rules to say, hey, this this problem's gone from this size up to this size. Now we need a now we need, now we an, need an RCA or a five whys. <laughs> Or something
0: yeah. like that mm-hmm. yep yep even a, even a, a workshopping or a brainstorming session to to discuss whatever it be you know okay. yeah I, I think that that's totally right i totally agree with you i think it's very important that we do start to ask those questions so we start to have things in our organization or a business to actually trigger that and yep. i think when you actually you know, like leveraging from that point of being having the courage to actually stand up and say, Hey, we need to do something different, or yeah. why does this happen? Let's actually have a look, let's really understand the problem. And I know in smaller organizations, you being one person might stand up to people and they might go, Oh, look, look, this is just how we fix it, This is just how it happens, don't worry about it. And it might take a little bit of extra effort to actually go back and say, Hey, let's now that we've fixed it, now that we've done that, you know, the way that we've always done it. Let's just go back and have a look and try and understand why anyway yeah Yeah, because it might happen again it Mm. might not Mm. and if you start to do that then you can start to build in these triggers as you say all these little occurrences that say well in situation x then we will do y just to just to understand Mm -hmm. and if it's just understanding what the problem is then that's a win that's certainly a step a step forward so what are some of the key ways, and I know you mentioned one just then before, is in doing RCAs, doing Five Wires, doing workshopping, brainstorming events. What other tools or methods in maybe let's talk about? Obviously, if you're in a big organization and it's a big mm-hmm. incident, they're going to have a formalized process. It's likely yes. to be an ICM investigation, an RCA, some sort of problem solving tool yeah. that the, the organization will use yeah but what if you're not what if you're the soul man trying to find the courage now to actually step up and say hey let's do things differently what are some simple steps or things that you might talk about in the book that you could put in your tool back what are some of those little tools yeah um, to use
1: to use yes um most people start out with the five whys if they haven't got anything. In fact, I was talking to some engineers today, and their language was, "We'll have to do a five whys on that." So, mm. and, and without going into the detail of their particular five whys, there's a whole heap of things. But you know, you ask why five times. Yeah. Okay. And everyone probably knows I'm a big fan of Rod Moore and his philosophies and ways of doing things. And for each of those answers to the why, you have a countermeasure. So in other words, what am I going to do about what I've discovered by asking why? So you have five answers to the five whys because you ask why five times. You also have five things that I'm going to do differently as a result of that. Yep. Okay. So that's a, that's a five whys. Now, that's there's um, like in the book, go into a little bit more detail on how to do that and and some te- and some examples of, on, on what to yeah. do, okay. But the, as you said, Dane, there is a plethora of formal problem solving methods around the world, okay. Mm-hmm. Some tailored for safety incidences. Some tailored. Some are more generic, like the like the five whys. In the camp, I, you know, I've had my experience. I've used certain tools over over the life because I'm a reliability engineer. <laughs> um, yeah. But but doesn't really matter which tool you use mm. so whatever floats your boat whatever works yep. for you and it's solving problems and then know it and the reason why you know it's working is the problem goes away and doesn't come back again
0: yeah
1: yeah yep. so that's that's my philosophy don't really mind which tool you use i've got some favorites but essentially you use some sort of formal problem solving process like in my experience with manufacturing they tend to use fish bones as Jaguars, um, mm-hmm. people that have trained in lean will tend to use different things. KT use their own. They've got their yeah. own developed one. It's been around since the 60s, all that sort of stuff. You know, if it's been around since the 60s, it obviously works, <laughs> um, you know. So there's a plethora of different tools and, you know, my suggestion is, is find the one that works for you.
0: Yeah. I think one thing to to add to that, and if you are uncertain, unsure, and you want to just have a crack at something. Mm. Um, My only tip would be make sure it's documented. Make sure it's noted down and saved somewhere. Whether it's (laughs) on your own iPad, tablet, whatever, whether it's on your computer or just even in a folder. Even if you get a simple notebook and you write it down and you keep it there and go, here's my problem solving book. So. You know, every time we go to it, like if you're a small operation and you're just doing your own thing, it's just take a note because there's a lot to be actually said for uh, the physical act of, of writing or even typing things down, but actually transmitting it from actually just thinking about it, going, oh, yep, yep, yep. Oh, yep, okay, I did that, I did that, compared to actually putting it out there, writing it down. It actually yeah. is a process of taking it from your your own brain and putting it somewhere yes. else so that you don't need to remember it and then it can be remembered by all and it allows space for more to be understood yes
1: yes i'm a bit of a fan of well, Dane knows, electronic ways of doing things <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, and i'm actually it's very interesting because i've found like personally now keep mm. in mind that you know i'm i'm not the youngest person in the room Anymore. <laughs> I started learning to write on pencil and paper without any sort of electronic devices whatsoever. I actually find, now this is really interesting, that if I lose focus for whatever reason because I'm doing a lot of typing, which is yep. a lot of what I do, I actually switch modes into writing. Mm-hmm. And I find that writing piece actually helps me focus down. So, you know, um, it doesn't have it doesn't have to be Um, on a piece of pen and paper, it's in physical paper. Um, For me, it works electronically. Mm -hmm. Mm. But getting it and, you know, tools like Microsoft's OneNote and, you know, with Microsoft Teams, you can share stuff and, you know, and the beauty of it is that most modern computer systems now can actually do text recognition even though it's handwritten. Yes. And reasonably accurately. I know in the past it was pretty, like... hit and miss but these days yeah yeah, these days it's 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 pretty darn good and i totally agree with what you're saying is if you get it documented okay but not 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 to the point where you're writing a formal report or anything like that but just just
0: noted just noted Noted. just yeah one of my favorite things to do and and even though you're you're slightly older than me seven i um (laughs) I actually agree wholeheartedly. I was often the one that would probably chew through too much paper because i go and print things out and I'd scribble all over my drawer and I'm physically write on paper. And it's the same thing. I could sit at a computer for hours, but it's like if I wrote it on paper or on a whiteboard in one of my old corporate roles, if I had to brainstorm, I had a whiteboard behind me. And it was one of those computer ones that you could actually print out what was on the board. Yeah, And um, I would just start scribbling. And there'd be just like mind mapping and things going everywhere. And people are like, What's that? Oh, hang on. These are like my thoughts. But it's the same when we're trying to understand a problem. If you actually exactly. write them out, you can physically see them appearing in different spaces. And like I said, just cognitively gives you that little bit of space within your mind, within your head to actually think outside of that box, maybe get another perspective. Yes. That's good a visual. And-
1: yeah, and, and get another perspective. So if it's in the what it somebody was telling me as saying if if it's in your head it doesn't exist. Yep. Yeah? And it only starts to exist when you get it out of your head into the physical world. Yeah. Yeah. And and you've seen me with like whiteboard you seen yep. me with whiteboard too. <laughs> yeah. I I love, I love more whiteboards. And the thing is as a reliability engineer and we've we've talked about this in some of the training that we run there's two there's two sets of skills that a reliability engineer or a problem solver needs right so mm. reliability engineers with problem solvers yep. okay it's facilitation skills
0: yep
1: and we'll talk about that in habit five <laughs> and the technical yep. skills and the technical skills and they've got a balance right yes so you know you've got to you don't want to be any any of these things you want to have that balance between the technical skills
0: and yep. the
1: facilitation skills or the people skills i've been yep. known to call it the hard skills and the soft, the soft
0: skills. yes yes and like we talked about last week and, and it's so timely that you, you brought that up at this. When you did, because my thought process was literally going into communication and facilitation and understanding. Because as a reliability engineer, part of your role is to express what the problem is. A lot of people, if something breaks down and you're the one in control of it or you're the one that's meant to be responsible for it to some extent, whether you're the asset manager, production manager or whatever, they're going to go, what happened? Why did that happen? You know mm. what went wrong and you've got to be able to articulate that Concise. and yeah concisely concisely mm-hmm. and so actually taking the time to understand the problem is really important because then you can concisely and succinctly deliver an explanation yeah and, 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 with and confidence
1: with confidence sorry. and it's really interesting just to add to this sorry because there was a really interesting problem that I, that I was working on, right? So this problem involved the whole organisation, involved the production people, involved the maintenance people, and it only yep. it's, it happened this year, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, now, the maintenance people did not realise that it took the production people one week to get the system stabilized after this problem had occurred. Wow. So the problem had occurred. The maintenance guys fixed it right, mm-hmm. within days. Yep. The, because the problem had affected certain parts of their production system. Yep. It took the production people a week to get what they called system stability back. And then when we talked about this in or well, we're doing a formal problem solving process when we when we're talking about this the maintenance guys go really <laughs> like no i like you know we fix it box it up and then and we go and fix the next problem and they'll totally totally um i'm going to use the word ignorant mm-hmm. it might be a bit bit harsh but they were totally ignorant to the problem and then you know mm. the, when when we when we were talking about problem what effect it had on everyone else like the production mm. goes oh it took us a week to get the system stability back you know and the maintenance guys go oh wow oh this is bigger Ooh. than what we thought <laughs> you know yeah
0: yeah yeah mm. and i think that's a really key point because understanding and and how it relates to that understanding is that you need to understand the whole ramifications of the problem Yes. Because all far too often, it's like, oh, go and fix that. Okay, I, I go and fix it. Or oh, yeah, maintenance team come in and go, oh, yep, this is wrong. We'll fix it up, box it up, away it goes. Don't worry about it. My job's done and I forget about it. When we come back to it, though, like you said, the production team have to actually go, well, this actually has a run-on effect down here and causes this, 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 and this. And therefore, we out by a week and we need to do all that. It's like, oh, okay. So then that creates a little bit more leverage for the maintenance team to make sure it doesn't happen again (laughs) Yes, because if they've had a bad day it's been friday when they've gone sent out to fix it and it's three o'clock and it's beer o'clock as we do here in australia regularly um maybe they just kind of rushed the process didn't take as much care maybe as you know usual and look i'm not laying blame or anything else on anyone in that situation it's more so just that here's a reality that if there was the understanding of what that whole ramification was of that failure, maybe a little bit extra care would have been taken mm. in the process to ensure it didn't happen again and that's where the reliability's role in communicating clearly up down and around and making sure that they do as you said facilitate as we will talk about in habit five the the problem to everyone being able mm. to communicate that and like I mentioned before, with clarity and confidence, I think is yes. a is a really key point.
1: Mm, absolutely, and that's so. part of understanding the problem too. So it's exercising
0: habit too. Yeah, yeah. Habit is the problem. Exactly, exactly. Well, so at the moment, I'm drawing a blank on anything else to ask you about understanding. But <laughs> is there anything? Okay, I feel like we 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 summarised it quite well in the beginning. We've talked around about, you know, the importance of it and, and some key sort of factors into why it's really important to understand. Is there anything else that you would like to highlight about understanding as being a critical point? Or Yeah, I
1: can. Yes?
0: Yes, go. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Do it.
1: <laughs> Do it. It's, it's yep. really easy to avoid doing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right because it really is the easy path is to actually just apply a fix to keep on doing what what you've always done now mm. if if you go "Oh, we've been here before that's the trigger to actually do it now to do habit two which is understand now Ron Moore talks about a bar wave. if you make a, a small investment to get a big game
0: yep and you
1: keep on something this is an example you make mm-hmm. a small small investment in, a, in in a bit of problem solving to make a big gain. Okay, yep. so if this problem has happened four times before in the past, you know how often it's going to occur. If you don't make this investment, you know that you're going to continue suffering that problem into the future because it's yep. happened before in the past. By making yep. this investment, you make that problem go away. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> I have to totally agree. I think it is very important that we do do it. Yeah, you know, that you do take the time to understand. Um, <laughs> I, I I would even argue that that is why some people would often get frustrated with me because I took time to understand um, in the problem. And yeah, that's where the even if you get a little bit of pushback, mm. take the time. Yeah, you know, and it might mean that you need to do a little bit on your own in your own time. Like if it is that you're in an environment where. People are pushing back and just wanting to fix it, like I mentioned before. Okay, go and make the fix. Do what they've always done, but maybe commit a little bit of your own time to dive a little deeper, to understand a little more. And yeah. sometimes you'll find it doesn't actually take that long to do.
1: Yeah, have a little bit of quiet time, we?
0: Okay. <laughs> a little bit of quiet, yeah, quiet time. Yes, I need a
1: little a bit little of, bit quiet of time stillness. To it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah, and and try and get out, you know, I'll be the first to admit that it's really, really hard to get out of like the everyday, as in Mm. production bustles, problems, constant things popping up, people asking questions, all that sort of stuff. And and finding that little bit of quiet time to get your headspace to do this is certainly worth it. Not not just from an outcome point of view, a business point of view, also from a personal point of view, you know, allows you to clarify your thinking and get your thoughts straight and in the right direction. I think Colby talks about climbing ladders and you want to make sure that your ladder is against the right wall. Now, yeah, so just take a little bit of time, make sure your ladder is against the right wall because if you haven't got your ladder against the right wall, you're climbing up up and you're not going to get anywhere
0: yes yeah yeah Would totally agree totally agree awesome well i think we've we've wrapped up habit two in understanding and next week we will dive into habit three Mm -hmm. which will be nice and, and fun and yeah look seven thank you again for for showing up and always sharing your thoughts uh if anyone has any questions any queries Any inputs, certainly add us up, uh, add comments, uh, send us messages and so forth, follow up with us and let us know what your thoughts and feelings are on this and if it's been helpful, as always, smash the like button, subscribe, do your usual things and if you have anything else that you think you'd like to hear from us about, any particular subject matters in the near future, let us know too because we'll be happy to to chat about them and and just give our views. Remember, these are our views and opinions. That's just from our own experience. Um, But we hope that they've been helpful. And thanks again, Seven.
1: No worries, mate. Thank you.